Real news. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Sess Show. I'm your host, Tori. Live always 12 to 2 p.m. Eastern time on your airwaves, in your car, online. Uh, you can stream us live on air through various uh, radio apps like Talk Stream Live. You can download the Red State Talk radio app and, I mean, just tune into your radio station. Find out where, uh, you know, in your city or state, um, where you can hear us. So... And always, let me just mention, I always uh, upload my live shows. That way you can stream them uh, at a later time or in case you're working or miss part of the show. You can find it on TuneIn, uh, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, everywhere. Uh, just look for the Tori Says Show. I have to say this because I shifted everything from where I used to store it on SoundCloud, and I got a lot of messages from people not knowing where to find everything. So if you're following me on Twitter, I'll be sharing links. Um, if you're uh, following the Tori Says page on Facebook, I usually, once it's uploaded, I'm trying to get really good at sharing it there because there's no automation. You would think it's 2019. Everything was automated. Um, so what do we have today? Well, the 12 days of Christmas have already begun, and I thought it would be a great way to start the day by listening to that song. Uh, and this is from Straight No Chaser, which is an acapella group um, that performed in Indiana University um, in Bloomington, Indiana, back in 98. Take a listen. On the first day of Christmas, my true love gave to me a partridge in a pear tree. On the second day of Christmas, my true love gave to me two turtle doves and a partridge in a pear tree. On the fourth day of Christmas, the third day of Christmas, my true love gave to me five golden rings, four calling birds, French and turtle doves, and a partridge in a pear tree. On the ninth day of Christmas, my true love gave to me Christmas, my true love gave to me eight days, eight and seven, seven, eight and six, six, eight and five. You better not shout, you better not cry, you better not. In a pear tree on the ninth, oh, on the eighth, oh, on the seventh, oh, on the seventh day of Christmas, we are on Here we come to what's the link of five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, tumble bowlers, head in hand, bear eye, be decked with bays and partridge in a pear tree. On the eleventh day of Christmas, my true love came to me. Eleven pipers piping, ten lords a-leaping, nine ladies dancing, eight maids and lovely, seven swans a-swimming, six kiss five golden rings, four calling birds, three French hens, two turtle doves, and Rudolph the red-nosed reindeer. Okay, I stopped it right there because the eleventh day of Christmas is going to be super awesome. As you saw, a lot of things were going on through this a cappella on the eleventh day of Christmas, which... I would say is December 11th because it all started yesterday. Everything started yesterday. For those of you that weren't paying attention, I mean, I was really, really busy. And I could tell you what, I was extremely irate too this weekend because my daughter 
had to uh, fly back from her, you know, three-day leave, and United kind of just grounded all the flights throughout the whole state, and you know, they didn't even they didn't even bother. They were like, I was like, hey, why don't you put her on a Delta flight or you know some other no-name airline, whatever, just get her out of here. I mean, she's active duty. What do you do? Yeah, we could refund her the ticket, and it's like. Mm. So imagine what it costs to just buy a last minute ticket. So it was really frustrating, uh, but it happened. I mean, we drove her a hundred and somewhat miles to the nearest airport. Uh, she took a flight out of there to Minneapolis and thank God for Delta service. Uh, you know, they, because they had a delayed flight leaving, taking her directly to her base, you know, directly to Arizona, they actually put her on that late flight. So she was there earlier. So she doesn't have to rush or anything. And, I, I I can't wait for her to be back home for Christmas. That was way too short. Um, so obviously super busy, super insane, super drama, and um, <laughs> super costly too. Thanks for nothing, United. Um, it cost us double what United was in the first place. To anyway, let's not get into that. Um, what we need to understand is that on Sunday, everything began and was set in motion. Uh, things are going to be happening this week that are going to be knocking some socks off. Our president right now is on his way to Europe, and this has to do with all these MOUs that are being signed in the Middle East by Turkey, uh, where the UN is facilitating that we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about how Egypt is really, really irate on the maritime type laws that are going in these deals that are being done that they don't feel comfortable with. Uh, we can touch upon Africa and the Christian slaughter that no one is referring to, uh, but also we need to look at our local stuff. You know, Lisa Page coming out, distraction, distraction, wanting to say her side of the story because they're all going to jail. Uh, they fabricated government documents. They frame people. And you know what people don't realize is, is that the people that they framed were not people that would so lightly say something. You know, a lot of people say, well, you just say things, right? Even to me. And I'm like, do you know my background? Obviously not. Do you know what I did? Obviously for a living and <laughs> obviously not. I've said it many times. John Brennan was my boss at some point. I mean, I don't know how I can spell it out and make it more clear. But anyway, at some point, he was not even the highest one. Okay. He was like a low level, kind of like think of it as video game. He was like a low level boss. Okay. Like, you know, King Koopa level one, Super Mario Brothers. So I don't know how clear I need to make it, but Aside from me, who doesn't say much, General Flynn, a decorated general, says things that you'd be like, conspiracy theory, boop, boop, boop. Really? So he's going to talk about Wiener's laptop, crimes against children, a general, right, is going to talk about that, and you're just going to dismiss anyone else that says it, uh, and the general. So what did they do? They put him in a box. They fabricate things. You're not allowed to talk about it. You took retirement like a good boy and left the minute you started to whiplash on us and call us out for the crimes against humanity, the crimes against children that happened under the Barack Hussein Obama administration. It's all coming down the hammer. <laughs> surveillance goes both ways, <laughs> both ways. You can't have it one way, right? Uh, surveillance is both ways, both. We have the same tech. So how do we start 
today. Well, let's take a listen first to what the president had to say as he was heading out to leave for Europe. Why don't you send one of your lawyers to represent your point of view? 
before the House impeachment inquiry. Because the whole thing is a hoax. Everybody knows it. All you have to do is look at the words of the Ukrainian president that he just issued. And you know it's a hoax. It's an absolute disgrace what they're doing to our country. All right, guys. So um, someone called me out and said, did you just say you don't have a lot to say? Guys, I have so much to say. Tomorrow is going to be Adam Schiff Day um, because today I'm dropping a bunch of articles that I have uh, that are currently being edited just to demonstrate to you just how big of a Hiroshima this Ukraine thing is. And more props to the president um, because I know it was really hard for people to hear it, but um, I'll recap the things that he said that are the most important, which is that this impeachment hearing is indeed a hoax. Why would you send out your lawyer to represent you to something that is a hoax? A hoax. And he made a clear point. This is, these people that are in the house are supposedly working for our interests, right? Our interests. What interests you and I have, how we sustain our families, how we maintain our uh, national security, how we uh, pay our taxes, our farmers get funded, our security of our border wall, the funding of our government. And they, that's their job. So when we are pre-scheduled to have a meeting, well, our president has a pre-scheduled meeting with NATO to discuss, to discuss a bunch of stuff, stuff that costs us a lot of money, stuff where we're demanding that people pay their fair share, stuff that interests you and me and our children and future generations to come, that kind of stuff. Predetermined, they knew this for over a year now, and on that date, they decide that they want to do impeachment hearings. What does that tell you? That they don't want you paying attention to the developments in regards to NATO, to the developments in regards to Europe, Africa, Asia, China. They don't want you listening. They want you to focus on the circus. And I mean, the mainstream media is doing a great job by purporting that this charade of an impeachment hearing has any merits or has any foundations of being credible. It's almost like the stuff that I'm in in the litigation. It's just motion after motion going around in circles and nothing being done, just hearsay, hearsay, hearsay. Finally, the judicial system decided to kick in two years later and say, what is going on? You're not, there's nothing here. You're asking for something to be there like what are you doing? You're wasting the court's time. Well, here's the thing. Over and over again, since our president has been elected, they've been wasting our time, our money, our resources, and Congress has actually done nothing. They've spent more time on impeachment than doing things for us. They promised their illegals, you know, hey, we're going to give you citizenship. We're going to hand it out like candy. All right. We need these legal legalized slaves. That's basically what they want. Legalized slaves. So they promised it did nothing. Where's the health care? Nothing. Where's the farm bill? Nothing. Where's the USMCA? Nothing, 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 nothing. The Democrats are doing nothing because all they're focused about is taking out the guy that's actually doing something.
And the something is exposing their ties, their money-making machines. Gosh, guys, this military-industrial complex, oh, my gosh. You know, I talked about it over a month ago where I published an article on Loomer.com where, um, you know, I kind of mentioned it in the Parnass, how the Southern District of New York had, you know, uh, filed charges against these two Americans uh, that were Rudy Giuliani's clients and that, you know, that disallowed them from testifying. And that was a pretty sweet move. But in there, I talked to you about another Ukrainian link to Schiff, Pelosi and a bunch of Democrats, the Pentagon, the DOD, the intelligence um, IG, yeah, Atkinson. Oh, so much. Wait till we get to that party. Like I have sat down and I have written a complimentary article to the main article because the complimentary one was just done to showcase to you how they cover their tracks. Because it's not just about them hiding that stuff like this happens. It's covering their tracks. How do you cover your tracks when your tracks are exposed? You obfuscate it. You throw some leaves. You know, you plant some flowers around it to make it look prettier. Or you revamp it by paving it with gold or something. And this is exactly what they're doing. So tomorrow is going to be super shift day um, because the NATO conversations that are happening tomorrow, we're going to discuss on Wednesday. Uh, so what is going on with NATO is what you need to be in the know of. You need to know what has happened over the weekend, specifically yesterday in the Middle East and the Eastern Mediterranean um, and Africa. So that way you understand just how important this meeting our president is having with NATO today. In the meantime, take a listen to Kellyanne Conway uh, and her discussions on Fox uh, this morning discussing uh, these impeachment hearings, as they call them. That came out and said very strongly that President Trump did absolutely nothing wrong. That should be case over. But it will never end it because they want to do what they want to do. Uh, they're getting killed in their own district. I think it's going to be a tremendous boon for the Republicans. So that from about an hour ago, President Trump on his way to London now as the White House declines to participate in Wednesday's impeachment hearing on the Hill. Kellyanne Conway, counsel of the president with me now. Kellyanne, welcome back to America's Newsroom. Good and a good morning to you. I- explain the strategy from the White House perspective on the heels of the letter from the White House lawyer last night. On October 8th, the White House counsel made very clear this is an illegitimate and unconstitutional process, and we maintain that. Uh, Twelve witnesses, 30 hours later, there's no, there are no bombshells, a lot of bombs. Uh, I keep hearing all these analogies and comparisons to the Nixon and impeachment and the Clinton impeachment, and the fact is that there, were, there, were, uh, there was evidence of crimes there, direct evidence. Uh, Bill Clinton lied under oath before the grand jury on August 17, 1998. I remember watching it live. The, with Nixon, there were tapes. He resigned before he was impeached and removed from office. And yet, we see no crime here. We're, we're still looking for a crime, let alone a high crime and a misdemeanor that would justify impeaching and removing a democratically, legitimately elected president from office. And, Bill, make no mistake. 
the Democrats and their allies have been at this for over three years. Even before Donald Trump was inaugurated as our 45th president, they were busy trying to impeach him. The Washington Post ran it 19 minutes after he swore an oath of office. Uh, the president and the first lady were headed into a nice lunch at the Capitol, thanking Bill and Hillary Clinton for being there. So they, they think they finally got him. They don't. But what they don't have is any justification to upend what the voters wanted, which is Donald Trump to be their president. And they should just admit they have no idea how to beat him in 2020. They fear that he will be reelected, so they need to remove him before that. And, Bill, I can't okay. tell you, All the right, split screen me, uh, that we're seeing in front of us, where's the president going? He's going to the 70th anniversary of NATO. You cannot think of a bigger, brighter contrast than what's happening right now. The president's on his way to NATO, where he has secured over $130 billion in additional NATO funds from NATO members. And you've got the Democrats doing basically nothing for the American people and trying to impeach a president three I years ago. I grant running. you Wednesday will be an interesting split screen, okay? Allow me to get in here a few things. What Republicans have argued and you have argued and others is that Democrats have shut you out of the process, but they're giving you an invitation to have somebody go to the hearing on Wednesday. Why not take advantage of that? Well, what is this hearing about, though? This is, as White House counsel Pat Cipollone said in his letter, this is a constitutional law exercise. I paid a lot of money for my law degree. Uh, I, and we're now we're going to get it for free. A bunch of constitutional law experts are going to give it to us for free. What will they say? Who are they? What are their biases? Uh, what have they said about the president in the past? Okay, why do they have constitutional experts? Let's talk about this right quick. Why do they have? Well, you know what? Actually, let's listen to what she has to say. And we're going to talk about these constitutional experts because I had published an article where I talked about the word bribery and how Scalia came um, from beyond the grave. So Justice Scalia, uh, Scalise, um, Scalia, yeah, came from beyond the grave. Why did I say Scalise? Um, and he had already defined that back in the day. Listen to this. When Hillary Clinton's secretary of ag was bribed by a grape raisin company um, to give them contracts, you know, like federal contracts, like you provide these, you know, fruits to all the public schools, stuff like that. Right. And they cleared him. But then they went after the company that said, but we bribed him. He said this was like a deal because they were like it was a deal more than a bribe. So they were like, you tried to bribe and they were holding them accountable. But let the dude that lined his pockets go. And so, you know, in his remarks, he made it clear that the word bribery is not described in the Constitution. That is the vaguest point there when they added that amendment. And it was done so for a reason, because if I can time travel, you better be sure up until 2012, they could too. Take a listen to what Kellyanne has to say. Why is this relevant to whether or not the president has exercised, has committed an impeachable crime, a high crime or misdemeanor? So why would we participate in an exercise where they're going to have three witnesses? We're allowed to have one. It's constitutional. So you hey, stand, is Adam Pat, Schiff want to testify? Yeah, you, you mentioned, well, we'll see whether that happens. I, I would doubt it, but, you know. He that's, should. He's a fact yeah, witness. The, the letter says this from Cipollone. You've given no information regarding your plans, set arbitrary deadlines, and then demanded a response, all to create the false appearance of providing the president some rudimentary process, which goes to the point you're making there. However, also in that letter, he leaves open the possibility to participate later in this process. We'll on see where what, the process on, goes. On what grounds would you say yes to participation? 
Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, obviously, the Judiciary Committee has jurisdiction here, but Nancy Pelosi was so afraid to let Jerry Nadler, who's been trying to impeach the president for three years, so afraid to let him take over the proceedings that she had to shove it over to Adam Schiff, who really beclowned himself in that entire process, first growing mushrooms in the dark, uh, having these depositions in secret, and then, of course, for the whole world to see in what process... In a first world country that is centered on the rule of law, do we have the equivalent of the judge, Adam Schiff, giving three to five minute long statements about the defendant, Donald Trump, who isn't president and can't even have a lawyer present? In no, in no regular court would that be appropriate. That would be objected to. No person who's overseeing a proceeding would allow to be so partial and biased. And it got them absolutely nowhere. Got so but, but here's what door, we're going the, to have. We have 600 is, pages sorry, of the Mueller the report. Door is, the door is cracked open to participation. That, that's what I take away from the Oh, my gosh. The door is cracked open to participation. This guy, because when I say fake news is everywhere, it's everywhere. This isn't a cracked door to what? legitimizing a hoax are you kidding you shouldn't even legitimize a hoax and like kellyanne said in a normal court something like this wouldn't stand you'd be very surprised uh you know how far it has to go and how tedious someone has to be in order for the court to say all right enough but this isn't even a court. This is a charade. And so what he's saying is why isn't the president saying no the president is busy being president and this is a hoax. If it is actually taken into impeachment, you know, let's see who gets arrested first. <laughs> are they going to have time or are they going to say he's arresting us because we tried to impeach him? Because, you know, that's what they're going to try to do. They're going to try to say, oh, oh well, so and so got arrested. So and so is going through a military tribunal. So and so this. Oh, Adam Schiff, uh, you know, making all this money from the Ukraine. Totally rubbish. President Trump just wants to say that because we're so after him. Rubbish. I'll see you in a bit. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So where we left it off is how Fox is trying to legitimize, uh, you know, Nadler's, uh, you know, judiciary uh, <laughs> committee hearings on impeachment on, you know, the days, obviously, that we're in NATO, where our president has already secured over $13 billion. And we're going to analyze that today because no one else is going to tell you what's really going on. NATO, EU, Turkey, MOUs, memorandums of understandings that are happening that countries are not happy with. And, you know, stuff is really hitting the fan, especially now. So let's just take a listen to what other rubbish he pushes, like saying, oh, the door is cracked open for him. No, but no. If it's not even true, why would we entertain it? I mean, it's like saying, you know, your troll has some form of truth to what they're saying, so you're going to entertain it. No, these are this is just Congress being vicious, nasty trolls because they're haters, because they're all about to go down, and they're going to say, oh, this is retaliation, that's why he's putting us in jail. Nah, man, facts speak for themselves. Wait till we get done with Schiff. Aside from the Schiffy business with all his 
buddies, you know, pedophile, uh, you know, commentator, Ed Buck, you know, the standard hotel, little kids, all that's going to come out. <laughs> what about all these millions of, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars being swindled out from under us. Who, when that comes out, boy, how, how are people going to know about this? They're not. People don't know because the news aren't even tell you. And here's Fox trying to legitimize it. You don't have news. You have to go looking for it yourself. That really sucks. But Bill, in what are, no, no, no. But in what are we participating right now? What would we be participating? Why legitimize a process? You know, the Mueller investigation was an executive branch Department of Justice investigation. The president participated. We had uh, 1.4 million pieces of paper produced. We we let all these witnesses testify. People's lives turned upside down. Legal bills in the seven figures. And for what? And we're going to turn around while the same Democrats can't take a minute can't take a minute to pass infrastructure reduce drug prices keep this econ- this trump economy humming along he's over in nato and they're trying to impeach him america sees I the split screen government uh, yeah speaking of a minute i have less than a minute to go the ig report will be made public one week from today uh, you saw the um, interview by lisa page in the daily beast she okay. says she will no longer stay quiet what is the okay. white house official reaction to her interview uh, I read her interview. I certainly haven't discussed it with the president. It really, it was like NATO, um, keep the economy going. She didn't come up in the list. Uh, I, I found, I'll, I'll, re- I'll wait to talk about that until I see the IG report, but I can't believe that she actually thinks it is the president who has kept her quiet. It sounds like she's very rattled every time the president tweets something out. It sounds like she's very rattled uh, in that interview. I, I read what she said. She said that the biggest mistake she's ever made in her life was having the affair with her colleague Peter Strzok. She Strzok. also suggested she but, was being harassed. What's the reason? But it wasn't the that, president. But it, well, that's the way she feels. It wasn't the president who revealed that. It was the Washington Post who revealed that she was having a relationship with a colleague and that in their text messages that that was part of what was revealed. She makes it very clear in her interview. So let's not miss the full interview. It is the Washington Post that has wanted to impeach the president since 19 minutes okay. after he was uh, he was sworn in. And I actually think that she feels really sorry for herself and that if she were if she were a career a uh, lawyer at the FBI and the DOJ. She could have stayed on that job. Nobody here removed her. She quit voluntarily. But I think that IG report is going to show that we now have lots of evidence against Director Comey, Jim Comey, somebody who has now se- will have had several IG reports call into question his credibility and his competence uh, leading back to 2016 and 17. We shall see next Monday. Kelly and Conway, thank you for your time today from the White House. Thank you. I'm not a woman who feels sorry for myself. That's my message of the day. I hope my three daughters are watching. Thanks, Thanks. for coming back. And okay, so what did she cover? Let's well, let's just cover Lisa Page right quick, okay? First of all, in the intelligence community, uh, I could tell you it's very rare that people have stable relationships, um, and those that do usually get duped. Um, you know, that was the going thing. Some of us, um, including myself, thought, you know, that doesn't happen because, yeah, it happens. Because the majority of them just end up sleeping with each other because they can't really be intimate with someone outside their circle. I mean, you know, how many people are willing to have a relationship with someone that says, yeah, you know, I can't tell you what I'm doing or where I'm going, but okay. How many people, um, you know, ha- can have relationships like that where, you know, they, 
can't share, you know, the most important things that are going on in their life. And that's through their job. They can't. So it's normal that they have affairs. But trying to take the victim card like, oh, I'm being victimized because I was sleeping around. He's probably not the only person. Let's be honest. All of them sleep around. That's the way it is. Uh, it, it, it's the facts. It's the truth. And it's uh, and I'm speaking from what is it called? It's not a point of pr- a, my. Oh, gosh, I keep forgetting the way the the. Um, Socialists say it, point of privilege. I say point of actual knowledge (laughs) I'm speaking from on this one. So she discussed how, um, you know, she's trying to victimize herself and how she's being, you know, constantly slammed for having an affair with Peter Strzok. Look, man, married people having affairs is disgusting. It just shows that they have no foundations. If you're dedicated to someone and you sleep around and you've taken that oath, uh, your word means nothing. Okay. Unless that was a, an agreement you had with your spouse when you got married that you could do whatever you want and sleep around and have relationships with other people, then I don't see how anything you say after that is honest. But this is why the intelligence community has all these people going together because they can't tell people what they do. They can't tell people where they're going and they just have to make stuff up all the time to cover what they really are doing. So, you know, they, they're trained like this. So they don't find that, uh, loyalty is necessary unless it's to those that you interact with on a daily basis, I guess. I, I don't know. Regardless, Lisa Page is backtracking. Lisa Page is embarrassed that she had an affair. Lisa Page is upset that it's getting dragged through the mud. But guess what? It wasn't the president that reported it. It wasn't me that reported it. It was the Washington Post that reported it, right? And so she can take her staff at the Washington Post for putting it out there. But, you know, as a matter of fact, if your texts are central in investigation, everyone's going to see them and everyone's going to talk about it. So there, you shouldn't have been going on little trips to London right before our president was sworn in with Peter Strzok because a lot of people saw a lot of things, just saying. So moving along, let's get into NATO. So NATO, what is going on? Now that the president is going there, I'm going to tell you something. Turkey. Turkey is a very big deal. Turkey is again pushing uh, to NATO now, especially with the meeting, uh, you know, to get into the EU. And this is uh, what the spokesperson for um, Erdogan said. We want in. We want in now. And we are a strong NATO member and we deserve to be in. If you don't have us in, this is going to be a problem. This was actually voiced yesterday uh, when they were talking about uh, the NATO meeting. Uh, specifically, Ibrahim Kalin um, uh, mentioned that on November 26th. Too. He stressed Turkey's determination in fighting terrorism, which is super ironic, since all terrorists are harbored in Turkey, trained in Turkey, go through Turkey and are assassinated, bullet, you know, shot down, chacked up into pieces on Turkish soil. But Okay. And, uh, specifically, uh, the former Spanish prime minister told the 10th Vosphorus summit in Istanbul 
this of Turkey. Turkey is a significant power and it has a high capacity for bringing the West and East together. Uh, of course they do. They are the second largest uh, military force of NATO. Uh, Europe needs them because they're broke. They have no military. The Ukraine is now working with the United States to get weapons, armor, tanks, everything from us because the previous years, all this money they got and all these contracts they had for all these weapons and embellishments to help them fight the Russians uh, literally have no weapons, <laughs> no surveillance, no nothing. And we're going to get into detail of that tomorrow. That way, all of you have time to look at the articles that I'm going to be putting out this afternoon and understand just how deep this goes. And this is why Turkey is going on a push because Turkish people want to be part of the EU because that allows them free passage. And Turkey also wants to be part of the EU so they can open up the floodgates and let all these illegal migrants that are coming in from West Africa, the Horn of Africa and Asia flood into Europe rather than be stopped at the border of Turkey. They want to get rid of them. They want them out and they are trying to make it so. You know, uh, many allies Okay. Are take, must um, take threat against Turkey's national security seriously um, uh, to work um, in partnership with them to get them done. And that is something that was actually said and part to be of the Berlin Foreign Policy Forum and the Korber Foundation. So it is a big deal. This is all happening now. And that is coming on the heels of the fact that for some reason, so many um, European European weapons have been found in the Middle East, um, killing people in Yemen, which is incredible. Did I just go silent? That was weird. Um, so it was incredible because uh, it was just discovered that all of these NATO weapons that are held by countries like France, uh, the U.S., the United Kingdom, Italy are all being used, even Iran, are being used in Yemen, killing Yemeni civilians during this war. This is a big deal, you guys. Um, and this is all going to be coming, uh, you know, up front for discussion. Because the big part here is the fact that Turkey wants in the EU... Turkey is going to be paying their part. We've got Turkey paying their part. We've got poor countries of the European Union paying their part. But we have France, England, Germany, um, Italy not paying their share. Germany isn't paying even a fraction of their share. That was insane to see. Think about it. We're paying up front and nobody else is. And we're paying all the dues and nobody else is. Our tax dollars are going to fund this, you know, allegiance, alliance, whatever you want to call it. Right. But no one else is paying their share. Everyone else thinks, well, let the, the let the American suckers do it. Yeah, we are suckers because we've had a president for the past eight years literally giving away our money to shady deals, shady countries, and for shady things with no accountability, no push, no receipts. It's like, you know, we've given them all this money and nothing is happening. Imagine if you found out that $50 million were given to me, 
Okay, that the Pentagon gave me fifty million dollars to create, I don't know, a, a floating device. Let's just pretend. It's very close to the reality that's going to be coming down uh, later on this afternoon. So I'm paid $50 million to create this device years ago. And then I'm also paid $75 million via a fund to a country that then funds me to get this floating device to help with surveillance, right? And then going down the line, since I'm an expert of floating devices, I also get more U.S. taxpayer dollars, around $100 million to $150 billion, right? Big jump, $100 million to $150 billion throughout the past three years. So I get U.S. federal taxpayer dollars and European euros, right, funding me to now make guns, even though I'm a flotation device expert, And guess what? I've not created one flotation device that can float. I have not created one flotation device that surveils. And I don't know how me being in flotation, floating, you know, devices can suddenly make weapons. Oh, and guess what? I'm also in the Ukraine too. And I also have, (laughs) you know, provided money to many campaigns and work very closely with the Clinton Foundation. Starting to make sense now? This is what we're up against. And what we have now is the Democrats insanely pushing to impeach the president while he's at this NATO meeting fighting to see what's going to happen. I mean, if he pulls pulls us out of NATO, I'm more than happy for that. I'm more than happy for that. You know, actually, I just got a text probably when I went silent. Maybe it was to draw my attention. So guess what? We're going to talk about Adam Schiff in the next hour because tomorrow is going to be super busy with NATO and other stuff. So let me tidy up this NATO so you understand what is going on. So we have Libya. Remember, we've talked about Libya before. We've talked about how Libya, there's this one little portion at the tip, right, that is governed by the GNA. The GNA is the Libyan military that is recognized only by the UN, not by the Libyans, not by the neighboring countries, not by the US, is completely independent. The rest of Libya is being protected by the LNA, the Libyan National Army. Got it? So months ago, I told you that the United Nations decided to come in and say, okay, Libya has no military since the Libyan National Army has all the soldiers and we want a real army because we don't trust Libyans to have their own army and liberating their own people because they're not listening and they're not giving up their oil wells. So here's the deal. Um, Turkey, you're now the foster military for Libya. And you're going to stay right here on this territory. And it's on uh, in the Mediterranean off the Libyan coast. And if you remember, I told you, and we've discussed this before, and many times you've heard it from others too, how Turkey is superimposing themselves and drilling oil in Cyprus's and Greece's waters, illegally claiming, I don't care what the whole world says, uh, all the water surrounding Greece and, and Cyprus is mine, and that's the way it is, and what are you going to do about it? And they're aggressively just drilling for oil in the Mediterranean with no permission. And they're like, what are you going to do? Like, you know, at me, 
What are you going to do? So this is basically where we're at. So what happens is, is that this Libyan water territory marries up to the Cypriot water territory. So now they pretty much are dominating the whole eastern Mediterranean Gulf all the way up to Syria in patrol boats, in military activities, and aggressively, I might add you, with the excuse that they're protecting Libya... But they're not. And Libya's neighbor, neighbor, Egypt, said that this whole deal of the UN appointing Turkey as their military is completely illegal. And, you know, it's completely absurd how they're just entering into Cyprus's waters, Libyan waters, Greece's waters, all on the excuse that they own it and that they've been given permission to go by the UN um, because geographically it makes no sense. I mean, think about it. Greece, geographically, right, has the island of Crete between the coasts of Turkey and Libya, right? So there's uh, the island of Crete. Um, then there is, um, you know, uh, Libya across from it. Like, you know what? Actually, on really clear days, and this is this is where flat earthers come in, and I've seen it myself. From the coast of Crete, you can see the Libyan shores um, glistening in the water. I kid you not. It's like a mirage thing. It's so cool. You, on a, it's so beautiful. Anyway, um, so the um, Libyan waters and the Turkish waters that Turkey claims have no borders, basically. It doesn't even specify it. So Libya's neighbor, Egypt, is freaking out because they're like, well, well, wait a minute. There's Greece, uh, the Greek waters, and then the Libyan waters. So you're saying now that's Turkish waters, which then that means they're in our waters. So tensions are high. I mean, we have Greece on high alert. This is why during the meeting with Pompeo, you know, uh, a, f- a few weeks back that I, it was October, what was it, October 6th, October 7th, I don't remember, um, that they met. Greece was like, yo, we're like freaking out because Turkey's like all over the place and they're bullish and it's like, oh, but they're part of NATO, but they're stealing our natural resources and we can't fight them because they're NATO and Europe all is, all they're doing is saying, oh, be good. But they're not helping with the situation. They're not saying, dude, get out. Or, oh, we're going to be tough with you. Watch it. They've been saying that for a year. And they all they've been doing is stealing resources. So this is going crazy. Remember, Cyprus is half invaded by Turkey because Turkey says Cyprus is theirs. And Cyprus is like, um, nope. And in 1974, they invaded and took over half the island. So it's like really bizarre. So this dispute between the maritime of Greece, Cyprus, and now Libya that the UN has thrown, has driven everyone insane. You know, this is, you know, um, Kavusoglu, which is the uh, foreign minister of Turkey, says that they're protecting their rights and it derives from international law. Well, what law they're citing? There's no law that says that all of the eastern Mediterranean is there. And now you have a lot of people within uh, uh, Egypt, Israel, and Syria really freaking out, saying, you know, this is, a, this is a big problem. And, you know, they're constantly saying that, oh, Egypt has been at odds with Turkey since the Egyptian military overthrew the Islamist president, uh, Mohamed Morsi, remember, the Muslim Brotherhood guy. So they've been, you know, having bad blood because Egypt was like, we don't need the Muslim Brotherhood, man. If people want to be Muslim, they're Muslim. They want to be Christian, we, we don't care. It's not supposed to be. So basically... 
this is why we have Erdogan demanding uh, an investigation into, you know, whoever was in Egypt and was killed or something like that. And they're demanding because that was the Muslim Brotherhood, you know, head. Now, the internationally recognized government in Tripoli, right, which is where the U.N. decided is the army, has actually created these memorandum of understandings with Turkey and has given this waterway, this free pass for Turkey to just get in there. And Libya has been divided into, I want you to envision this, okay? I want you to picture the whole United States, the lower 48, right? Whole United States, 48 states, not Hawaii, not Alaska, just 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 the main. And I want you to pretend that's Libya. So the portion that is controlled by the UN, Turkey, and what they want to say is the legit Libyan government, not the rest of it, right? The legit part is the size of um, Massachusetts. <laughs> That's it. So that is the portion that is supposedly the Libyan, uh, you know, legit army, not Haftar's Libyan National Army that's recognized by the Libyans. They have cut all ties with Turkey, claiming that they're terrorist funders, they're Muslim Brotherhood affiliates, and that they're trying to bring terrorism. So you have the Libyans kicking out the jihadis, and they are being treated in hostile. Anyone from Turkey entering Libya other than that area of Massachusetts, is taken out. They kick them out. And they've exported and expelled them, export, expelled them completely and um, removed them. And, you know, what's really weird is, is that the Libyan National Army is getting funding from all nations, from all Arab nations, right, except Qatar, Turkey and the UN and the US recognizes Haftar's Libyan National Army. It does not recognize the GNA, which was created by the UN. I want you guys to understand that. This is where the UN is playing really dirty and sticking their nose where they don't belong, giving Turkey free passes. And you have to wonder, why would they let the country that has so much, so many issues in regards to terrorism take over places like that? That's the thing. And the, 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 the EU is doing absolutely nothing to stop what is going on. I mean, you know, even though Turkey is a very strong member of NATO and has the want to get into, um, uh, the EU, it's really difficult to allow them if they're not doing what they're supposed to do. And you know what happened? In Cairo, um, 44 defendants uh, were jailed for the Al-Fath Mosque violence um, uh, retrial. So basically a criminal court on terrorism, they have like a terrorism circuit, sentenced 44 defendants to jail ranging from 3 to 10 years um, in charges of the Al-Fath Mosque clashes in Cairo of 2013. Remember the Muslim Brotherhood thing? And this is a really big deal because this comes on the heels of that. We've got Turkey being more aggressive toward Libya, toward Egypt, toward Israel, towards Greece. And it's kind of like, wait a minute, you want to get in, but you have like this MOU um, with the Libyan prime minister of maritime borders that is threatening Egyptian uh, security, Israeli security, Greek security. I mean, who is looking after this stuff? Why is this happening?
This is not supposed to be allowed. The two memorandums of understanding literally have no legal effect. Okay, none. They can't even be recognized by the Shakrat Agreement, Article 8 in Egypt. So what stipulates that the Libyan government, not the prime minister, have the authority to sign international agreements? Because they're not even Libyan. They're from the UN. Boy, is it going to be crazy tomorrow at NATO. I'll see you all right after this break. Real news. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. I'm your host, Tory. So where were we at before in the first hour? We were talking about NATO. We were talking about how, they, you know, people in the Middle East are really PO'd and, you know, not really... um you know, being heard. The UN is meddling and, you know, Turkey is the second largest army. And I'm the one that told you that. See, people don't usually say that. And I'm so glad that the president started to reinforce that notion. So you understand the immense force that we're up against, because Turkey isn't like some third world nation when it comes to weapons. They've got long range drones like the ones that we saw that bombed Saudi Arabia. And they were like, oh, it has to be Iran. Oh, it has to be Yemen. But they were Turkish drones. Oh, all these people in Libya were murdered. Oh, you know, what was it? Um, Who did they blame? Let's remember. Oh, it was the Al-Qaeda. No, it was Turkey because it was a Turkish drone. Or are you telling me they're selling all these drones to the terrorists? Oh, but then they're against terrorism. But all the terrorists live in Turkey. All the terrorists meet in Turkey. All the terrorists go through Turkey. They find the Muslim Brotherhood. They find Ilhan Omar for the Hirash, the Hishra that is going on right now. And then we have Khashoggi. Then we have that other guy that was just riddled with bullets two weeks ago. Yeah, that's right. And they're totally against terrorism, but they kill Kurds like, you know, it's a sport. But now they want to be part of the EU. And the EU is like, nah, man, they're going to unleash everyone in our nation. And then our socialism experiment is going to fail because it's going to be really hard to control all of them. That's what it is. Wow. How incredible, isn't it? It is very, very incredible. And I don't think people understand just what a big deal this is. How, you know, for example, Italian-made bombs helped kill 12,000 Yemeni citizens. And that is from a report that Oxfam did. Mm. So the conflict in Yemen has caused over 100,000 deaths in four years. That includes 20,000 in just 2019. And they were all done with European weapons. So where are these terrorists, Al-Qaeda, getting these weapons from? Where did we get that leader from Al-Qaeda? Where was he arrested? Oh, that's right, the Ukraine. What's the Ukraine part of? Oh, yeah, that's right. The European Union. Oh, and where are the jihadis in Europe? That's right. Georgia, Turkey, and Ukraine. Oh, dear. Look at that. A pattern. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to understand what's going on. That's the bottom line. You don't have to be a rocket scientist to know what's going on. So 
I want to talk about shift today since we're going to be really busy talking about NATO tomorrow. And obviously, like I said, the articles, um, will be up, uh, later on this afternoon after the show. Um, as I parse them through my editor, you'll find them on torysays.com and on loomer.com. Um, on loomer.com, I just put an article out again, slaughtering of Christians in Burkina Faso. And, you know, obviously remember when Omar was there, she was, applauding how Muslim nations uh, are able to, uh, what did they call it? Um, say it, uh, function better than those that have m- many religions in them. I did a whole piece on her Africa trip uh, that she took last month. Remember, she was in Burkina Faso on October 4th, 2019, signing her divorce decree, right? So, um, you could see that on Loomer.com. You could see it on ToriSays.com. I already tweeted it out and posted it to the face, the Tory Says Facebook page. So now what I want to start with is to explain to you a cover-up first so then you understand where I'm going with it. We talked about Igor Pasternak, uh, the Ukrainian. We're going to – I'm going to tell – I'm going to walk it this way. I'm going to tell you about the cover-up that started in 2019 because they were gearing up for this impeachment thing, right? So they needed a cover-up. How they did the cover-up. And then we're going to walk through Schiff and then marry the two together throughout this hour. So you can see how the swamp operates. Remember, it's all about method, not pointing out the swamp creatures, right? So let's take it from the top. So where does the cover-up start? Cover-up starts from, uh, you know, an Obama, an Obama night. Can I call that? A Husseino night. Uh, her name is Sherry Bustos. She's a representative from Illinois. She is one of the most corrupt people ever. Uh, she is actually the chair of the DCCC, which is the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee. Uh, same congressional campaign committee that was wiring money out of certain funds through amalgamated bank. It's all over there. I got like that screenshot of the transaction there for you guys to see. Well, you know, she was recently under fire because apparently the DCCC has no diversity. You know, it's the Democrats that preach diversity, but they're the ones with the least likely to hire black people, Asian people, brown people, any other people besides their buddies and that are white, they're not willing to hire. I mean, we hear Joe Biden say, well, you know, those black people out in rural communities, uh, you know, it's not their fault. They're stupid. We're going to help them. Like, oh, my gosh, did you just call your voter base stupid and that you're going to help them not be stupid? Like they say these things are, you know, uh, you know, Pete Butt plug who, you know, constantly, I'm gay, I'm gay. All his answers are, now he's gay so he can understand the racial disparities that, you know, colored people go, are you kidding me? How is, you know, having unorthodox sex, you know, unorthodox meaning not missionary position, not traditional, uh, you know, which is to, for the biological function. So if anyone wants to, oh, that's so racist because I'm getting, no, 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 it's unorthodox because the whole point of sex is to procreate. Two men can't procreate together in this unless they're in a laboratory and, you know, they're stripping, you know, cells from cows or pigs and reinserting their DNA. Two men coming together cannot make babies. Done. So it is the unorthodox way of copulation. I don't see how that gives him the ability to understand racial tensions. Jesus, who are these people? Why uh, are they even running? I mean, Kamala Harris isn't even black, and everyone's like, no, she's not. She's Indian. 
It's like Indian, like Bollywood India, like, you know, colorful clothes and, you know, Gandhi India, right? India, right? Not feathers in their hair. You know, did you know, wait, before I get into that, before I get into Sherry Bustos and her fake diversity and the fake Barack Hussein Obama diversity, let me tell you something. Did you know that over 78% of American citizens, American citizens, right, that are born here, right, have over 3% of their DNA to be African descent? 78%. 78% of Americans, based on, you know, what... um Elizabeth Warren says, claiming she's Native American, have claimed to say that tick the box of African American. Like, I got 3%. Boom. Because she doesn't even have 3%. She doesn't even have 1%. Okay? She doesn't, she has 0, 0000001% DNA of being Native American. She claims she's Native American, but you know, 78% of Americans that have 3% aren't allowed to tick the box of African American because it's what? Appropriation. I'm just trying to point out the hypocrisy. Because when I saw that fun fact, I was like, whoa. Someone needs to bring that up when they're talking with Elizabeth Warren. Did you know that 78% of Americans have 3% African descent in them genetically? That means that they have more claim to say that they're African American than you do saying you're Native American? Just saying. I just wanted to throw that out. Okay. So, back to Miss Bustos, the racist. So she was completely under fire because there's a lack of diversity. So a bunch of people got fired. A bunch of <laughs> senior staff left and they just hired people based on their color, their sexual preference, their religion. It was just so bizarre. So that happened. But this woman did something that blew my mind. It was like the most subtle cover up ever that no one noticed. She spearheaded the recreation of a caucus in Congress that was already created in 2015 under the supervision of Adam Schiff. Okay. The caucus is called the Air Cargo Caucus. Okay. So here's the thing. In 2015, the Department of Defense had spent billions of dollars to develop blimps. That's right. Blimps. You know, like Goodyear blimps. In fact, in 2015, a bipartisan, and I'm using air quotes, group of congressmen formed the air, the cargo airship caucus. It wasn't called air cargo caucus. It was cargo airship, same thing. And those two dudes, former rep Tom Rooney from Florida and Brad Sherman, right, from California, praised Ukrainian Igor Pasternak for his amazing ideas and innovation because, you know, um, after the Nazi era and the Hindenburg crash, he like revamped blimps. Let me tell you about Igor Pasternak. So this guy was born in the Ukraine when it was under Soviet control. And as a Ukrainian under Soviet control, he was trained by the Soviets. He was one of the first, uh, actually the only people uh, that was allowed to, under Soviet rule, Establish a company in the Ukraine, in the Ukraine, to examine revamping Goodyear blimps. Not Goodyear, just blimps. Right? I, I want to ask you guys a question. All of us look up at the sky every now and then. I know we're all attached to our phones, but how many blimps have you seen? Yeah, not a lot, right? Well, here's the thing. These airships, blimps, they call them airships, so they have a new name, right? It's not blimp, it's airship. 
according to many, have the potential to carry enormous amounts of cargo over great distances at a fraction of the cost. Yeah, you would think so, right? That, you know, you put a bunch of stuff in a balloon and it just goes. And, you know, with a balloon like a blimp, you don't need a runway. You can get, you know, through mountains. You could go dip into mountains, into valleys, incognito on random islands. You could stick elephants in there, food, headphones, whatever you want people, right? And you'll be able to go wherever you want. And you don't even need infrastructure on the ground. All you need to do is land that thing. As long as it can fit, you're good, right? Anywhere. It doesn't even have to be flat surface. It could be rocks, pebbles, you know, obviously not water because you'll sink unless you have a flotation device that can carry the weight of everything your blimp has in it. So, uh, Ben, Ben, why do I call him Ben? Brad Sherman, uh, the rep for the Democrat rep from California said, and I quote, blimps, air cargo ships, have enormous potential to enable economic development opportunities and accelerate export logistics, expand U.S. capabilities in disaster relief response, and drive greenhouse gas reductions in aviation. Hmm. Here's the thing. We don't use hydrogen anymore, right? Hydrogen was the reason that Hindenburg went up in flames so quick. Obviously, it had flammable paint. Obviously, you know, the, the, the coating or the balloon material was flammable, but hydrogen kind of made it happen, right? Because hydrogen is a highly unstable one. You know, it has one electron, uh, super stimulated. It'll catch, it'll just blow up real quick. But we're using helium instead, which can also blow up real quick. But here's the thing about helium. So it's not a renewable source. So how are they going to create helium if they can't make helium and it's not a renewable source? It's like fossil fuel. It'll happen in millions of years, but it's not a renewable source. You know where there is a huge source of helium, you guys? You know where the atmosphere is pure helium? You got the sun. Now, unless they have like some gas pipe or, you know, helium collector that they can attach to the surface of the sun to suck out the helium from its atmosphere without burning the, you know, the hose that's pulling it out or, you know, the helium burning up through the, <laughs> through the hose. I don't see how they're going to have enough helium to make this work, but whatever. Those are details, right? So anyway, in other words, they're sold on the idea that blimps are the future of cargo transport. And former Republican Congressman Rooney believed that idea with his whole heart. And that the idea of blimps, you know, back then wasn't really alien to House members. You know what? In fact, Adam Schiff's best friend and one of his biggest donors that threw him a party is uh, the only blimp maker in America. And he happens to be a Ukrainian. <laughs> That moved to America with his Ukrainian establishment. It kind of sounds like CrowdStrike. I made it in the Ukraine, but then I brought it to America. It's not Ukrainian, even though my headquarters is in the Ukraine. I only operate. <laughs> okay. This is, this is where we're going. So what happened was this Democrat chick was like, Oh, we're going to create the air cargo caucus. And they did this, this March of 2019, right? And specifically, um, it was, crazy that it happened during that time. Now, I want you guys to understand that Igor Pasternak, the CEO of Aeros, or it goes by another name as well, uh, is Ukrainian. 
He's best buddies with Schiff, has raised funds for Pelosi and Schiff in his house. Okay. And air cargo is a hot topic. I mean, they made the idea legitimate by establishing this caucus. Why did they have to make the idea of blimp transport legitimate? Because now it comes down to accountability. Where are all these billions and millions of dollars in the Ukraine that we gave the Ukraine to make, to, to buy our blimps from this guy Igor and there's no blimps? Well, like, where are the blimps? Uh, we'll get to that. So here's the thing. The Congressional Air Cargo Caucus had a, had an event on March 13th. The co-chairs are Sherry Bustos and Paul Mitchell of Michigan. But you know who the members are too? They've got, they've got people in there. They're like, sure, great idea. We've even got Doug Collins in there. Okay. We got Doug Collins. Uh, we got Mark Meadows in there. There's a bunch of them in there from various states. So you have to think, how do you legitimize something and obfuscate anything by making it a legit cause? So if there's a caucus with all these members that are on board of making blimps that they could fill up with cargo and move along cheaper, you know, that's hiding in plain sight. Because then when things come to surface, like, yo, uh, 10 years ago, you got paid $50 million to create blimps for the Pentagon. Where's the blimp? And then you also got $75 million so that you can create these blimps to help the Ukrainians surveil Russia from attacking them. Yeah, because blimps are totally incognito and a big fat floating blimp to execute surveillance. Totally <laughs> incognito. Yeah, it's not like the Russians are going to be there. Oh, look. What's that? I don't know. It's not going to spy on us because it's just a big blimp hovering. Jeez, I'm just saying. Whoever thought of actually putting those things totally incognito. Yeah, because nobody can see a Goodyear blimp. It's like totally invisible unless they're working on invisible tech, but that's not happening because there's no blimps. So with cargo from around the world, right? Um, Sherry Bustos opened up saying with cargo from around the country and the world making stops right here in our region at the Chicago Rockford International Airport, this caucus will create a platform for our region's leaders to share best practices and connect with folks from across America. It is my hope that the Air Cargo Caucus will foster a relationship that lead partnerships, creating more jobs and economic opportunity in our region. Okay. Now, this caucus has actually been quite busy after they were founded. Here's the thing. They actually held a meeting less than three months after their formation, on June 10th, actually. And the Congressional Air Cargo Caucus held a meeting with representatives from five major air cargo dominant consumer facing companies. And they had just, you know, the people that attended were mostly staffers. But guess what? Adam Schiff's name isn't on this caucus, but his staffer was there. And I have a pretty little picture in the article that we'll be publishing um, so you can see them. But on this panel, we had Bob Boha, who's the VP of Flight Operations of ABX Air. We have um, Captain Hugh. Houston Mills, he's the VP of Flight Operations for UPS Airlines. We have John Maxwell, the Senior VP for Labor Relations for FedEx. Uh, Jeff Carlson, uh, who's the Senior VP for Flight Ops for Atlas Air Worldwide. And Steve Alterman, the President of Cargo Airline Association. So they all sat down, they all had a chit-chat. Now you're going to say, Tori, why are you talking about blimps? Because... <laughs> The blimp maker, or the person responsible for the blimps, is Adam Schiff. 
He made bank in the Ukraine, and a lot of people did. So this impeachment circus began with, you know, with Schiff, Pelosi, passing the gavel, passing the, the, the flame to Schiff to take it home because he's responsible for the wiretapping. He's responsible for everything intelligence. I mean, he's been on that committee for, like, forever. And um, one thing that people don't know, and I'm just going to mention it, and the article will come in the next couple weeks. I have so much information to plow through. But remember I had told you that Adam Schiff made his mark as an assistant prosecutor in California for trying an FBI agent for the third time and founding and finding him guilty of being a double agent and then putting him in jail. And then the court was like, okay, this is rubbish. You get to go home now. Um, because he had a relationship with some Russian chick who, by the way, is married to a guy that have the biggest hemp field, super drug lord with murder involved. But anyway, she's already out of jail. But anyway, this chick, I just want to tell you, is actually related to Igor Pasternak. So this chick, this Russian chick from the Ukraine, came to the United States 10 years before, you know, um, Igor Pasternak came uh, along with his sister before he brought his fake blimp company over. And Adam Schiff got notoriety and came into Congress, state legislation, and then straight into Congress in 96, boom, after that case, right? They took him to trial three freaking times. And the third time it was Schiff. And suddenly he had all this evidence from this Russian chick that was friends with the sister of Igor Pasnar who threw parties charging people two and a half thousand a head to come to parties that he threw at his house for Adam Schiff such a coincidence like totally it just so happened it's not like you know there's any connection right so I mentioned Igor Pasternak in an article that I wrote um, on Loomerd, and it was titled, SDNY Just Made Sure House Democrats Can't Hide Facts on Ukraine. And this is where I was kind of inching to. Igor Pasternak was born in Kazakhstan, right? That's where he was like really born, like physically. But his parents migrated to the Ukraine. That's where he established. That's where he became part of the Soviet. That's because in Kazakhstan, back in the days when he was um, born there, remember, they were part of the whole Soviet thing, right? And then we had the Russian Jihad with Chechnya and the Kazakhis and the Taliban, right? So everyone kind of left because it was like jihadi invasion. So most of these people resided back in Georgia and uh, the Ukraine. So he's considered Ukrainian, even though he was born in Kazakhstan, because it was under Soviet control. And since Kazakhstan was at war with the USSR at that time, uh, you know, they were not considered, you know, part of the USSR when they dropped off with all the Taliban and the jihadis, with the Russian jihad that um, uh, Osama bin Laden orchestrated. So all the other people that went to, like, you know, Belarus... Georgia, et cetera, Lithuania, Estonia, where they migrated to run away from these nations were provided citizenship there. So he is, in fact, considered Ukrainian. Uh, he was raised and educated in the USSR, uh, governed Ukraine. So, you know, Soviet Ukraine. Um, during his studies, he wanted to revamp the idea uh, to make helium airships and to make them relevant again. So he was allowed to, under the USSR rule, to actually open up a private company. Not a lot of people were allowed to do that. 
I mean, in a communist nation, you can't just say, oh, I want to open up a corner shop or I want to open up a business or I want to start making blimps. You know, the government's like, no, government does everything. Government gives you food. Government gives you shelter. Government gives you anything you need, education and blimps. So the fact that he opened it up, number one, super telling. Right. So in 1994, after Adam Schiff had just won that case, you know, throwing away the key with that, you know, FBI guy and running for office, um, a, you know, a little bit after that, he ran for Congress. Right. Uh, this guy, Igor, came to California and he was pitching the idea to everybody about blimps are the future for transporting goods, blah, blah, blah. And what he did was he made some stuff happen. Like he got a blimp and he had the Paralympics use it kind of like a Goodyear blimp, not like a cargo blimp, like a regular blimp. And so here we are where this guy has come to America and he kind of sort of made it happen. And it's really weird how he made it happen. The air force base was going to shut down. So they were leasing out air hangers to people. So he who just migrated from the USSR Ukraine (laughs) had money to rent a hangar on the Air Force base that was going to close at some point. So they weren't closed yet, but they were going to close. So they allowed people to rent it where he made regular blimps like Goodyear, you know, like the one for Paralympics um, that he did. So the thing is, his role is really important when it comes to the military industrial complex by way of using blimps and through defense contracts. Um, he had like this his Hitler X arms maneuver um, that he executed and it was marketed by the ability for these blimps to stay afloat for like five days, like that they could do things. So all of a sudden from blimps of transport and advertising, boom, he's a defense contractor for, you know, for the United States. I mean, it's just really, really weird. And so he even said it himself. No surprise. There are military applications here. Instead of hurling bombs onto London, the thinking is that airships can quietly stay aloft in one place for long periods and you're not going to see them. And they would be great. They would be great for surveillance. That's bizarre. I'll see you all in just a bit. What is going on with my sound today, right, guys? It's pretty insane. (laughs) Okay, so where were we at? Blimps. (laughs) We were talking about blimps and how the CEO, the Ukrainian CEO, Igor Pasternak, Adam Schiff's best friend, who raised him a lot of money at his own house, um, said himself, one day we were, you know, uh, creating advertising blimps and one day we woke up and we became a defense company listen to this okay so he has been doing this self-admittedly since the 80s from ussr ukraine then moving over to the u.s in 1994 so he's been doing blimps all this time so we're talking 30 plus years in blimps air tech air tech blimps right blimps so before 2011 uh, Aeros made airships for advertising. So he'd make one by one in, like blimps. Uh, 
just for advertising, like I said, for like the Paralympics and stuff like that. Now, I just wanted to tell you that Wired claims that he's Russian born. He's actually Ukrainian born, uh, because, you know, he was actually Kazaki born. Let's just get it clear. He was born in Kazakhstan, but because at that time they were at war with the USSR and his parents migrated to the Ukraine, the USSR gave him Ukrainian county citizenship of the USSR. So you could say Russian, but he's not. He's really Kazaki. We'll get to Kazakhstan one day, I promise, because my time machine has a lot to tell you about Kazakhstan. All you have to do is look at pictures of them and and you'll understand. But anyway, so here he is, a defense company. Now, according to the digitized FEC records, right, after 2001, Pasternak, because they weren't really digitized before that, Pasternak started funding and donating politicians on the download. You know, that was when there wasn't a lot of, you know, there was a lot of, let me slip you an envelope in your pocket kind of thing. Now, his donations were usually for Democrats and just around his area. But, you know, in the recent years, we're talking the past five, ten, well, 2012 and onwards, let's say. So let's say about eight years, he's been funding both Democrats and Republicans, and he's increasing his amount. So, like I said, the most interesting donation is parties that he's held for Congressman Adam Schiff. It's actually called, and I quote, Please join Igor Pasternak, host committee in formation for a taste of Ukraine reception, honoring Congressman Adam Schiff, California 28th District. Suggested contribution sponsor, two and a half thousand, guest a thousand dollars. Make checks payable to Adam Schiff for Congress, 38 Ivy Street Southeast. That is exactly what the advertisement said. Now, incredibly, Schiff was on the House Appropriations Committee back in 2013 when that party invitation that's still alive for some reason, thank goodness, and is found, um, you know, when he threw that party. It was then that um, Adam Schiff facilitated the Pentagon awarding Pasternak, the Ukrainian company, $50 million as a grant to develop a prototype blimp for delivering cargo to military bases. Are you listening? So he was given $50 million to create a blimp to deliver cargo to military bases. So if, you know, the base in San Diego wants to send tanks to the base in Idaho, they would, like, load them on this balloon, and then it would float its way over there, which reduces the carbon... <laughs> I'm sorry, I had a laugh. Reduces the carbon footprint and the balloon is just going to float away nicely and easily and it can land with little to nothing, you know, happening. So, so Pasternak, constantly referred to Russian born, even though he's Ukrainian, worked for the Soviets, right? Like I said, before he came to the U.S. In fact, I just want to tell you that he was actually in 2014, now listen to this, offered a certificate of honor from the Ukrainian embassy with a press release citing his significant contribution to bilateral cooperation. What? So wait, just listen. Okay, this gets even stranger. So protests 
broke out in 2013, as you know. And this is what they're referring to. This is an excerpt from their press release. Since political protests broke out across the Ukraine in late 2013, Pasternak has worked to personally inform and educate members of Congress about the geostrategic importance of Ukraine to European and U.S. security. Wait a minute. Um, Hold on a second. Please state that again. So you're saying a guy that makes blimps, right? He's an engineer that makes advertising blimps that was just awarded $50 million from the Pentagon to make blimps to transport stuff between military bases, right? U.S. military bases. Now advises Congress about geostrategic importance of the Ukraine. Are you getting this? Are you listening to this? All right. So this is on the record. This isn't stuff. Oh, yeah, we we think like they said it. And this is why they gave him an award. So in the previous article that I had done, I had mentioned that, um, uh, you know, in regards to Ukraine, Obama, Biden and the D.C. mafia, global election meddling, personal gain and global extortion. That article. I told you guys how Russia was making its move on the Ukrainian peninsula of Crimea after the Ukrainian revolution. And Obama was kind of laying low with all of that. Right. He didn't want to really mess with Russia because the EU was getting really pissy. They were like, listen, man, you mess with Russia right now. They're going to like jack up the prices on energy and we can't afford it. So we need to kind of find a middle ground. So Obama kind of lay low saying giving military aid to the Ukraine. This is like 2013, 2014. Okay. Listen, giving the military aid to the Ukraine would be a violation of international law. But instead, if you remember from my previous report, he offered them $50 million earlier that year for elections and revamping their judicial matters, AKA don't go after Burisma. Hunter Biden's on there. Don't go after the Clinton Foundation, don't go after CrowdStrike, let us keep money laundering type of judicial problems. Right? It was right around the time when Hunter Biden took, off, uh, took up his board seat and Joe Biden actually made strong, aggressive room moves. Remember how Biden was like, oh, you want money? You want military aid? Well, well you know, if you don't get rid of this guy, I ain't going to do it kind of thing. That happened in 2015 because that is when we actually did it. Obama was literally saying in 2014 that he he was against giving aid to the Ukraine for defense, but he was totally for giving money to fix their elections to make sure that they had those right people elected, sending over 250 temp, uh, permanent U.S. employees that will be guiding them and ushering and, you know, uh, fostering fair elections. So permanently we're paying for people, 250 people salaries in the Ukraine to oversee their elections, right? Because we're going to help them. <laughs> Sure. Uh, guys, I know it sounds hilarious, right? Because it sounds so, you know, when they say it in words, it's like they say it in this tone and the mainstream media pushes it and you nobody sees just how ridiculous that sounds. And not only that, he was okay though to spend, you know, money to have 1,200 temporary U.S. employees come over them and help marshal their elections and help guide them in constitutional reform. Kind of like I said, imagine if France said, well, we're going to Kentucky and we're going to spend $50 million uh, to fix the Kentucky Constitution and we're going to send 250 permanent French people to hang out there and make sure your elections are not you know, meddled with. And in the meantime, 
time because you have elections coming up next year. We'll send 1,200 temporary ones so they can teach you and make sure you can fix this along with making sure that your judges aren't ruling on cases they shouldn't be because that sounds totally legit, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> Kentucky shouldn't be upset that the French would be doing it. This is the same exact thing we did to the Ukraine. I know it sounds hilarious, you know, if you see, but this is just how stupid everyone is. It's as if people want to be spoon-fed information when we're not in a nation where we're governed. We govern. We are the governors. If we're not paying attention, this ridiculous stuff happens. But take a listen. Obama had his reasons to say he's not sending military aid. He didn't want to piss off, uh, you know, Putin. He could because the EU was already upset that we were digging our heels into the Ukraine. We were funneling money out. We were taking control and taking real good force. And from what the award to this Pasternak dude from the Ukrainian embassy says, that's been going on for a while because this blimp maker supposedly advises U.S. Congress on relations and how it's important to invest in the Ukraine. But anyway, so this was all for show, right? And a lot of people at the time, the fake news, was saying that Schiff was working against Obama because he was pushing for Ukrainian military assistance. Take a listen to this, all right? So even though people said that he was working against them, he was actually complimenting his actions. He was trying to say, I'm holding him accountable, blah, blah. They knew what they wanted to do. So basically, Schiff was pushing uh, to complete, uh, you know, uh, to kind of complement, you know, the whole judicial meddling, constitutional reform and election meddling with arms deals. So what happened was uh, there was a whole, you know, announcement done by Congress. And here's 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 the, the kicker. This is 2015. The U.S. announced it was stepping up non-lethal military assistance to the U.K. Non-lethal, non-lethal pillows and blankets, military assistance to the Ukraine on Wednesday with a $75 million package that includes armored Humvees and surveillance drones. Armored Humvees were done by Bogdan Motors in the Ukraine and surveillance drones. Guess what kind of surveillance drones? Yes, guys, that's right. Blimps, because blimps are totally incognito. You can't see them in the sky. They're small. They have, are we kidding? Yes. Now, here's what happened. According to the press, you know, uh, Obama resisted pressure from Congress and Secretary of State John Kerry, who, by the way, also made bank from Burisma when he bailed them out in 2014, if you remember. And his hot mic comment to the Russian leader clearly said that. Take a listen to what he said. Remember this. More now on those dangerous leaks that are coming out of the White House. Our next guest tweeted the following. Obama caught on tape being weak to Russia is more dangerous than Trump caught on tape being strong with Mexico. Just to remind everyone what we're talking about here. This was the moment when President Obama spoke with Russia's president at the time, who was Dmitry Medvedev. This is my last election. Yeah. After my election, I have more flexibility. I mean, it's amazing, right? <laughs> Former U.S. spokesperson to the United Nations, Rick Grinnell, joins us. And, Rick, I mean, we were talking at the beginning of the show about the idea that these transcripts of these calls between the president and other world leaders being leaked out to the news media and just thrown everywhere that how dangerous this is at the same time people are doing it to try and blast him but you pointed out that what he said is nothing like what we actually saw on camera and we just showed people 
Yeah. Look, let's start first with the leaks. We've got to prosecute the leakers. This is terrible. It, uh, having partisanship permeate our intel agencies is really dangerous. It's a slippery slope. It has to end, and we have to get serious about it. By the way, you know, the news media, they love the leaks. They're not going to help us. They're not going to investigate True. or highlight the problems. They feed off these problems. So it's really up to Washington, D.C. politicians and responsible people to crack down and stop this. But the, the point is, is getting caught on a hot mic unexpectedly is, is never good. Obviously, we, we never want to see that. But for President Obama, it emphasized a weak moment in front of Russia where he was literally caught telling the Russians, you know, give me a little time and I'll be able to do, to do more want. after I kind of dupe the people of, of America. I'll, I'll be able to come clean with you guys and, and do your bidding. That's really what he was saying. For President Trump, however, getting caught. Remember that statement? Let's finish what he has to say, because here's where Tory reveals how they did this in January of 2017. Here um, is a popular moment with his base, because m many people are annoyed with Washington, D.C. status quo. They're annoyed with politicians. They don't like what's happening. And seeing the president get caught on a, on a, a hot mic unexpectedly, showing uh, kind of annoyance with the status quo, I think is going to make a lot of the Trump supporters say that's why we hired him. Yeah. Uh, do you think it's as easy to find the leakers as our earlier guest said, that basically you know the people who would have had access to that transcript, and if you got out a polygraph or a lie detector, you could just go down the list and figure out who it was? Absolutely. Uh, first of all, if it's classified information at all, you, as soon as somebody opens it, there's a record of who opened it. If somebody printed, there's, a, there's an additional record of that. So let's just talk about the unmasking information, which, uh, I, you know, I know that the distribution list for the information after the unmasking was found was wide. There are people at the NSC and at the State Department who are surprised that they were on the list getting so much of information. So the motivation from political appointees like Ben Rhodes and Susan Rice was to give this information out as widely as possible, yeah. knowing that the gossip chain would, would take over and somebody would leak it. That is it. That's that's basically what it is. Gossip. And listen to this. Almost instantly in 2015, when that was announced and after Biden, uh, you know, blackmailed them into not getting this, you know, 75 million, the Ukrainian Igor Pasternak announced uh, put out a press release saying that, you know, he is going to, he got this contract to with the government of Ukraine. In fact, he was in the Ukraine when he announced it, and his uh, press release from his company said, Ukrainian border officials and U.S. partner Aeros discussed surveillance enhancement program to protect civilian populations in Europe. Pay attention. So he is the one that announced it and said, uh, you know, he was with um, uh, Oleg Gladovsky, the deputy secretary of National Security Defense Council in the Ukraine and General Viktor Narazenko, who is in a picture with McCain, uh, Amy Klobuchar. By the way, where is Amy? 
Anybody heard from her? Because she was the one that took on the brunt of this Ukrainian defense stuff going on. Wait till that comes out. So um, they were all in that picture. But here's the thing. I, in, in my article, I'm actually going to be posting the whole press release. And in the end, he says... I was raised and educated and started Aeros in Ukraine before immigrating to the United States decades ago, which led me to be active in supporting increased bilateral ties between my two countries and efforts to build awareness of Ukraine's strategic and uh, and um, uh, economic importance to Washington. So he self-proclaimed himself to be an asset of the Ukrainian government, earwig things to our people in Congress with his money. Now, that is incredible. Now, here is what um, another press release said. The partnership with Ukraine, Aeros, and Ukrombrom, first announced in Kiev earlier this month, will see the Ukraine-Russian border protected by a series of Aeros-made elevated early warning system blimps. In other words, so aside from the 50 million Pasternak received from the from the Pentagon to make blimps that that can transport things from base to base. And guess what? He's created no such blimp yet. Not even a prototype. He was also provided U.S. taxpayer money via that aid package for non-lethal aid for non-lethal aid of 75 million. That's like double dipping money laundering because where are the blimps? I haven't seen any of the blimps. He doesn't have blimps. And so let's just further break it down. Eros got that 50 million for air cargo. Then the Ukraine paid our Eros with our money for blimps to transport weapons to the Ukraine and then gave him more money, 75 million to help with surveillance. Where are the blimps? I haven't seen any blimps. Wait. There's even more. So Ukroboronprom is the Ukrainian defense industry company, right? And they create weapons and textbooks for soldiers of the Ukraine. Here's the kicker. Igor makes blimps, right? Over 35 years ago, established his blimp company in the Ukraine and then created it again in the U.S. 25 years ago. He makes blimps. Guess what? Now he's working with the Ukrainian defense industry and he's making, guess what? M16s. Tell me, how can a blimp maker now become an arms dealer? And here's the kicker. Ukraine Obroprom manages the Ukraine's military industrial complex and proudly claims it. They clearly state, and I quote, the state concerned Ukraine was created in 2010 for management of the enterprise of the military industrial complex. Who would say that out loud and with The military industrial complex is how rich people make money on war on the backs of citizens like they have no shame whatsoever. So they are the Ukrainian defense industry leader because they have all the contracts. Now, here it is. Here's where you're getting that slip of Obama on January 3rd, 2017. Ukroboron Service, a.k.a. Ukroobronprom, announced a partnership agreement between themselves and Aeroskraft, which is the Ukrainian name for Aeros in the U.S., to manufacture a variant of the U.S. M16 rifle in the Ukraine. What? So the blink maker is now making M16s? And I quote, 
This is from the CEO, Igor Pasternak. The M-16 project was conceived some time ago as the Ukrainian Armed Forces, Border Guards, and National Guard will, with time, switch to NATO standards because they had the Kalashnikov, which didn't take, you know, ammunition that NATO provides or Europe provides. They could only use Russian bullets, and they had, like, a sock from back in the USSR. So they are making weapons. This happened in 2017, you guys. And guess who appropriated the funds for the... That's right, you guys. Adam freaking Schiff. So in other words, Pasternak, the blimp engineer, is now also manufacturing M16s. Where are the M16s? Where are the blimps? And how is Adam Schiff's buddy showered with millions and doing so much when his office is literally a storage unit? Okay, so there's two offices. The headquarters for Aeros, where they make blimps, which, by the way, I sent someone to California. I sent someone there. First of all, no one was at the desk. It is the most biggest front ever. And I have pictures of Google, you know, where they had it because I didn't want the person um, to take the pictures only because I didn't want to reveal, I didn't want to use their pictures because I didn't want to reveal their identity. Um, because from what they noticed upon their exit, there was a high, 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 busy, busy, busy surveillance system in place there, which was bizarre. Um, uh, they didn't notice until they exited the complex that, uh, there was like an iris scanner because a picture they sent me is, uh, technology that we have for iris scanning without them knowing they're, without the person knowing that they're being iris scanned. So I was like, we can't use these pictures. So I'm just using the Google pictures. So to be clear, Aeros received 50 million from the Pentagon to make cargo blimps, then millions from the Ukraine that were U.S. tax dollars to make surveillance blimps, and then more uh, U.S. dollars from the Ukraine to make cargo blimps, and then got a 75 million aid package that were also U.S. dollars, and billions, billions from the IMF that we backed loans again to the Ukraine uh, for defense spending. So for a guy that has no blimps, a flashy home, dumps serious cash into the pockets of Adam Schiff and all these guys, two flashy cars, less than five employees on the books, and has a head, you know, office for himself in a storage unit that sits across a private jet parking lot seems really weird, right? I can tell you that Aeros, the big building that's supposedly making these blimps, is... uh their HQ has a U.S. flag in the lobby, has the highest surveillance systems you will ever see. And they rent only a portion of the building for offices of an undetermined amount of staff. There wasn't anyone at the door even. And even when Google went by, there was no one at the front desk. You could just see the U.S. flag and some guy having a cigarette and being on his phone outside. So it, one would say is the relationship of Schiff and other Democrats and Republicans with these Ukrainian companies simply giving work to their friends? Or are these Millions and billions of dollars finding their way back into their pockets since we don't see blimps and we have no paper trail of making these blimps, these blimps existing or actual manufacturing of these M-16s. I mean, they don't even have these weapons. So the way Schiff and co are pushing for impeachment, Democrats scurrying like Sherry Bustos to make this caucus, to make it a legit thing, the mainstream media failing to report crimes and wrongdoings by Barack Hussein Obama in the Ukraine and his administration, including and not limited to Joe Biden, John Kerry, Pelosi, Romney. We could talk about Republicans, too. 
in the Ukraine and the deafening silence of how Congress is doing nothing for the people since they swore in, uh, you know, in, in 2018 January is very telling. This tells you everything you need to know. You know, we think, oh yeah, you know, they laundered money, Clinton Foundation, the military industrial complex is where it lies. And this is what the president has been talking about. He hasn't been talking about anything but this specific scheme to launder money from American citizens. This is what he has been referring to. It is horrific. It is a crime. And these people are all going down. So this is the second day of Christmas. And today we're going to be seeing things being revealed uh, through drops, through writings and postings and uh, when these articles go share 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 because people got to know what the real deal is in the ukraine it's not that we meddled in their elections it's not that we bullied to make sure we have the people we want but listen this ceo this ukrainian has been advising congress when has congress been taking advice from foreign nationals with interests of non-friendly nations i'm just saying Tomorrow is going to be NATO all day. From all of us here at Red State, God bless. See you tomorrow.